Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today it's... <laughs> we can make it if you try. Just the two of us. I didn't know Caleb was going to do that, but you and I, I went with it. I went it's with just it. us for this very special episode of Parenthood. It's a VSE. And I think of it as a very special episode for one particular reason. I wonder if you know what I'm thinking of. Is it because we watched it together when it first aired? It is. Oh! And am I correct that this is the only episode we ever watched together when it originally aired? I think you are correct because it was over winter break and so you were in Kansas and... Yeah, uh, at your old house back in Pittsburgh. I'm sure there was Horton's Pizza involved. I'm sure there was. You would have had a different dog at the time, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was before we had our three. Now it was when we had Knuckles, our our big baby. Yeah, He, he died in 2015. Just using all the songs we don't own. That's today. right. I like it. <laughs> come at us. I don't I know. Please don't come at us. <laughs> but it was also what luck that the one episode we watched together was such a unique episode of the show. Yeah. This is an episode not like any other episode of Parenthood. No, I, yeah, I was really struck by that the whole time I was watching it. I'm like, I I don't think it would make sense to have a guest on, maybe, maybe a guest who also loves the show, but like, this wouldn't have been a good one to be like, all right, new person, watch yeah. these characters. Yeah, it just wouldn't have worked. And I, that's something I was thinking of. I do think it's apt to call this a very special episode, But not for any of the reasons that one would typically call an episode very special. It's not because it tackles some timely topic. It's because it's unlike any other episode of the series. And it's funny, in terms of needing context for storylines, this is probably the easiest episode Mm. to show someone who's never seen the series. Yeah. And yet... If you don't already know these characters, I think it would probably be one of the least satisfying. Yeah, I think you might be, be bored. Like, what? You, what's maybe, going, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, you maybe wouldn't care about like all these little conflicts, and and you maybe wouldn't find it as funny. Like you know, I just yeah. think it's hilarious. But maybe it's the kind of humor where you have to know the characters and be like, oh, that's so Sarah, you know? Like if yeah, yeah. Without that, I don't know if it really works. Well, if any of you at home are wondering what what is this episode that's so <laughs> nice, so, so unique, that's good. It is this parenthood season three (laughs) episode 12 road trip it was written by david hudgens directed by jessica yu it originally aired on january 3rd 2012 hence i was back home for the holiday that's right and here's the nbc synopsis seeking his mother's approval zeke demands the entire family caravan on a road trip where they encounter many roadblocks along the way while spending time on the road adam connects with hattie sarah confronts an embarrassing issue with drew and Julia learns to appreciate Crosby's odd personality. Uh, does that Meanwhile, happen? I feel like it, it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> no. Meanwhile, Christina struggles to enforce a harsh punishment she gave to Max for acting out. This is the first episode of four directed by Jessica Yu. Fun fact, she is an Academy Award winner. Whoa. She won an Oscar for Best Documentary Short Subject for the film Breathing Lessons, The Life and Work of Mark O'Brien. I'm pretty sure she's the only Oscar winner to direct 
any episodes of Parenthood. Awesome. And this was her first foray into this series. What an entry. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, mine too. But she's a TV vet. She's also directed episodes of ER, The West Wing, Grey's Anatomy, This Is Us. So it's hardly her first time at any rodeo, just her first time at this one. (laughs) So this episode all revolves around the trip to see Grandma Blanche who I believe has only even been mentioned once before. Wasn't it when they were talking about what to... Oh, it was at Christina's shower. Like, you should name her Blanche. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would have picked up on that in the past, but I remembered the road trip. I flagged it this time, too, because I remember seeing this episode the first time going, Zeke has a mom? Yeah, yeah. And then even when her name came up before, it wasn't clear that she was still alive. Yeah. Just said, oh, what if you named her Blanche after mom? Right. And that was it. Like, oh, mom who died a long time ago? (laughs) No, mom who's still alive. Of course, in the movie Parenthood, Grandma was a character. She was around and she like lived. Everyone with liked them. her. Yeah. She wasn't <laughs> this scary figure. She did delightful things like suck in helium and say, yeah. what Grover Cleveland was president when I was born, right? That's her. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember what grandma's name in the movie was? Oh no, I do not. Well, I looked it up because I couldn't remember either. She's just credited as grandma. So I'm not sure she even had a name. Maybe it was. Ah, you got me. Maybe it was Blanche, you know? Maybe it was. Maybe it was, but probably Maybe it was Dorothy or Rose or Sylvia. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Whatever it was, it was golden. I'm done. Well, Blanche is played by Frances Sternhagen, who is herself a mother of six. Whoa. I love her, too. She has guest starred on many TV shows, including Cheers, where she played Cliff's mother. ER, where she played Noah Wiley's grandmother, and Sex in the City. That's where I love her from. God, she was hilarious as Bunny. Who did she play? Because I did not watch uh, Sex in the City. She was Trey McDougal's mom, and that was Charlotte's first husband. And like when Charlotte started dating her first husband, there were a million red flags, but most of them involved his mother. Like I, <laughs> I vividly remember there's a scene where he is taking a bath while his mother is just in the room talking to him. Red flag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So she was really funny, like super bitchy and uncomfortable. And yeah. Fun fact, I think you'll appreciate her film debut was in the movie of Up the Down Staircase. Ah, look at that. Caleb's sister Jay and I were in Up the Down Staircase in high school. It was their school play. Yeah, we played best friends and teachers, and we are best friends and teachers now. So it was a prophetic play. Was your character's name Beatrice? Yeah, it was B. I was hoping that Frances Sternhagen played B. She did not. She uh. played Charlotte Wolfe. Whoever that was. I can't remember. She's had many film roles besides that. And she's a two-time Tony winner. Wow. So she's a very talented actress. She's in The Mist, which is a movie I love. Do you remember her in The Mist? I love her in that. I love her when she holds the flame in front of the aerosol. Yeah. Sprays those little bastards. It's amazing. Yeah. So she's great. It's a good thing that she's now a member of the Parenthood cast. Oh, wait. (laughs) I mean, like, isn't just, it, this, just one. this one episode. <laughs> I feel like they're setting it up to, like, see her more. And I would be fine seeing her more. It seems like such a get, such yeah. a great actress. Can I trade a few Dreyfuses for <laughs> more Sternhagen? <laughs> sorry, Richard. Yeah, sorry. You're very talented also. Oh, prom! <laughs> 
Well, this episode kicks off, as the synopsis said, with Max acting out. Whew. You're such a bitch! Do not throw... What did you just say to me? You're such a bitch! Okay, that is it. You are being punished. You're punished. Oh, yeah, right. Like last Saturday when you said I wouldn't be able to go to the movies and then you totally forgot and we ended up going anyway. You... You're not going on this trip. What? Get upstairs. Now, you're not going on this trip. This That's is it. so unfair. Don't throw stuff at me. I hate you. I'll say what's fair and what's not fair. I'm the mom. Whew. And I got, it's even more intense now that his voice has changed, you know? Like, it just... Yeah, it, that's a man calling her a bitch. Yeah, yeah, it really feels a lot more... <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> but, 10 or 11, yeah. but... Yeah, yeah, I agree. But that's what it feels like. Yeah, and it was interesting how he doubled down because a lot of people, if they were like, you're such a bitch, and then somebody would be like, what did you say to me? That might be enough to make some people go, I'm sorry. Or I wonder like, if that's a social cue he can't read. It might be. I wonder that really, too. Because really, what she's saying is not, what did you say to me? What she's saying is, I don't like what you said to me. I heard it, and I don't like it. <laughs> but literally, what she's saying is, what did you just say to and me? And Max is like, yeah, this is what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. I can't. Im- I knew it was coming. I remembered what he did in this episode, and it still shocked me. I ooh, and it was maybe more satisfying than it should have been to have Christina lay down the law. It was super I was satisfying. Like, yes, finally justice. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, we talked about this on the very last episode. You know, I, we. I get that he maybe can't have consequences in the exact same way and that maybe his intentions aren't the same as neurotypical kids, but like, whoo, you can't just call your mother a bitch. And also he proves that he has such an understanding of consequences. Like when he even calls her out on the the punishment thing and says, yeah, right. Like, yeah, I'm like, oh man, it's even more important that she gives him a consequence and follows through on it. Oops. Um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Well, and that's the exact debate that she and Adam have. He has to go. He's not going. You have to go. Nora has to go. I'm we not going, all have to and go. And Nora's definitely not going unless, of course, you can nurse, which <laughs> I don't see anything happening I up think there. this is extreme. <laughs> Your son called me a bitch. He called me a bitch tw- twice. I understand not that. Cool. And I'm sorry, okay? I'm sure he didn't mean it, and I want to come up with a solution I don't here. care if he meant it or not. Well, why, of all punishments, did you punishment? choose this? Because it just came out of my mouth, Okay. I need well, to follow through on this. Well, can we think creatively, come up with a different punishment? Maybe just what? issue him like, a warning? This is so important to my dad. His happiness is more important than me following through on a punishment? That's not what I'm saying. What about our family? I need to stick to my guns on this, okay? I warn him all the time, and it's meaningless. I get it. So my dad's going to freak. I wonder if by Adam saying my dad's going to freak, is he tipping his hand there that he actually doesn't <laughs> care if Max goes or not? He just doesn't want to deal with flack from Zeke, which I'm not even saying is like necessarily a bad thing. I wouldn't want to deal with flack from Zeke. I mean, I get it, but it's, I think Adam doesn't even actually disagree with Christina all that much. I don't think he disagrees he just doesn't with her. He doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah. I don't think he disagrees with her at all. Really. I think it's just, yeah. And, and he's right about his dad because his dad doesn't give it up the entire oh damn gosh. episode. It's just yeah. like he picks Adam the whole time and Adam knows that's going to happen, which is the only reason I think that I'm not more annoyed with Adam for being like not super supportive immediately of what Christina has done. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, that really does affect everyone. But I also think it was probably the best punishment she could have come up with because it was obviously something Max really, really wanted. And 
that's what it's going to take, you know? I mean, I remember my husband, Mark, saying, like, when he was a kid, I don't think he ever acted like that, but but it took his mom a while to figure out what the right punishment for him was, which was taking away his bicycle. Lots of things didn't really have any teeth. He just didn't care about it that much. But taking away his bicycle was like taking away his freedom and his ability to, you know, just just be somewhere else and be in his own world. And and that's what worked. And so, you know, if if Christina said anything lesser, especially something she didn't go through with, like like you won't see that movie. I don't know. Yeah. And it also brings to mind something I remember both my parents saying at various points, like the example that's sticking out in my mind is if we were ever like in a store, like getting groceries or something and saw parents with kids who were really acting up, mm-hmm. my parents would say like, you have to be willing to just like ditch your cart and leave the store. Wow. And that's the kid's consequence. We're done. This is over. And I was like, isn't that hugely inconvenient for you, the parent? And they they were like, yeah, but you need to be prepared to do that. And Wow. Christina doesn't get to go on the trip either. Maybe she wanted to go. Yeah. And certainly Zeke wanted them all to go for a pretty honorable reason. He wanted to show them off. He's proud of them. Yeah. And when Adam's saying, can't we come be creative, come up with something else? Adam doesn't want to do this punishment because it's inconvenient for him. Well, it's going to be inconvenient whatever you do at some point. Yeah. And there's always going to be a reason to say, "Uh, well, let's not follow through with that one because it is inconvenient for me. Well, (laughs) At a certain point, you just got to be willing for it to be inconvenient. Also, boy, if they just went to Max after all that and said, okay, you're going on the trip. Your punishment instead is going to be this. It just would not have the teeth that that had because it has to be like immediate and in the moment. And I get that usually that's something you should probably discuss with your spouse. But I totally got it when Christina was like, it's what came out of my mouth. I mean, she wasn't expecting Max to call her a bitch twice screaming at her. You've got to do something extreme, I think. Like, and that's the right kind of extreme. It's not like she smacked him or, you know, something, you know, she lost her temper and just didn't let him go on a family trip. I think she handled that kind of beautifully considering I would have been really rattled. I would have been so upset. So, Yeah. yeah. They're all going to see Grandma Blanche because it's her 86th birthday. You indulge me with a little math here. Oh my God, thank you. No, this one bugged me. Please do. Okay, so in season one, mm-hmm. Zeke said that he and Camille had been married for 46 years. It's like you're looking at my notes, Caleb. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so, and I was like, let's just stick with 46, even though this is two years after that. But yeah. let's just go with 46. So that means when they got married, Blanche was 40 years old max. Yeah. That's like not impossible, I guess. It just, he would have had to have been very, very young when he got married. Yeah. And she would have had to have been very, very young when she had him. Yes. I thought the same thing. Like, did he get married at 18? Did she have him at 18? Like, it's just, yeah. And I know that people did used to have kids younger than they do now. But like, my dad was 40 when I was born. Like, right. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just, it's it's interesting. Yeah. People also used to have more kids than they do now. Which made me wonder, only on my second watch, it didn't even occur to me in the first time I watched this episode, does Zeke have any siblings? Yeah. And if so, does Camille, I hope they're younger. Yeah. I mean. Where are, and he looks at one picture in her house 
of when he was very young and it's just him and his mom. Yeah. And I thought maybe he is an only child, but that seems unlikely to me. Do they mention his father at all? Like, I mean, I'm guessing he's no longer alive, but did they did yeah. they mention him in this episode? I don't remember. I don't think it. they did. I don't remember any mention of him ever throughout the series. I really thought they maybe should not have said her age. Like that would have helped me just be in a dream world where this actress, who I think is only like 11 years older than Craig T. Nelson, <laughs> could be <laughs> his. I looked it up. I can't remember now what it is. So we should maybe fact check that. But Francis Sternhagen is 91 now. So this episode was nine years ago. So she would have been 82. They probably thought we can't make her be terribly old, but I just think it would have been better if they just didn't say her age. And then we could just let our minds wander because she certainly didn't look older than 86. She probably, if anything, looked younger than 86. But I'm like, let's just it was just so strange. They said 86 like 14 times. You know, it's my mom's 86th birthday. You have to be there. It's a, it's her 86th birthday. I'm like, <laughs> why do you just keep drawing attention to this? And yeah, the math just felt real crazy. It's a minor point, but it yeah, <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my head. Speaking of things I couldn't get out of my head. Chicken bones, ice cream cones, that's what makes the world go round. Lizard meat, trick or treat, that's what makes the world go round. Okay, hey, hey, guys, 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 okay. We're gonna take a little break. Just a little break from the music. Yeah. I have to write this brief. Thank well, it you. It doesn't look very brief. <laughs> <laughs> I love legal jokes. They're so good. I love legal jokes. <laughs> <They're so funny. laughs> <laughs> uh, I, feel, I feel like a lot of this episode is just going to be us going, didn't you love this? <laughs> uh, I, I did love that. But it also made me think, I wonder, maybe you'll tell me, were there deleted scenes with that particular storyline? There weren't any deleted scenes on this. Wow. That's crazy town. Because I just kept thinking, this seems like a storyline that got cut down. Like, Julia says on the phone at the very beginning, you know, to like her boss or somebody like, oh, okay, I have to write this brief. And then she says it again here. And then we really never get that mentioned again. And I thought it was just kind of an untapped delight. The idea of Crosby just getting to be a big kid (laughs) and like singing along carefree, having a good time. And Julia like freaking out because she can't write the brief. And Maybe some other people think that doesn't sound like a fun storyline, but I think it sounds great. <laughs> I think it sounds like a blast. I do too, yeah. <laughs> and the synopsis made it sound like that was going to happen. but it, yeah, yeah, Julia learns to appreciate Crosby's odd personality. Does she? She does That doesn't sound very appreciative. No. But maybe it was the first step in a journey. Yeah. But we didn't see the rest of the journey. I don't want an off-camera journey, so. Yeah. Whatever. Well. Sarah then comes on the walkie-talkie, and Amber references Red Leader, which was the title of Garvin Dreis. I think I'm saying that character's name right, I hope. In the Battle of Yavin? See, I don't know any of this stuff. This is all from the original Star Wars. Oh, I don't know. Red Leader was in one of the fighter... Oh, gosh. (laughs) Our friend Megan is somewhere going, Caleb, how do you not know this? But But you know what? She could have a Star Wars pal. (laughs) <laughs> that's true. Oh, yeah. 
And we won't be on it. <laughs> but then they were all picking handles for themselves. And I wondered, what would your handle be? <gasps> what a good question. I didn't know you were going to ask that. So I know I did spring this on you. I had a little time to think about it. Yeah, you, so I think you my handle is going to be Aunt Sassy. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> that is perfect. Aunt Sassy's in the house. All right. So Amber had said celebrities or. Um, okay, so I gotta think about this for a second. Although, but I think hers was Nightwing. Yeah, it was Nightwing. Which is not a celebrity. No. That's just a cool kind of code name. The first thing that's coming to my mind is Ducks Never Say Die. Ducks Never Say Die. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> so. So guys, Aunt Sassy and Ducks Never Say Die in the house here. <laughs> Bringing you some parenthood reflection. That was my favorite movie when I was 12. Why is that where I went? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Because it's your favorite movie when you were 12. Yeah. It's just, I think it makes perfect sense. It's deep in the recesses there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, Max gets over his frustration very quickly. Just kidding. He doesn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love both how Christina talks to Nora in this scene. Yes. And how easily she just sloughs off Max. This is the greatest. Her. Yeah. Nora, what should we do today? Huh? We did all of our chores. We have a little girl day. What? We can do our toes. We can do a pedicure. This sucks. This is totally unfair. Well, you shouldn't have said what you said. You could have given me a different punishment. You shouldn't have said what you said, okay? You are so mean. You are the meanest woman in the world. I cannot believe how mean you are. Stop yelling at me. I wish you were my mother. I'm never talking to you again. Good, let's start right now. <laughs> You're talking to me, right? I go that. You're talking oh. to me, right? That is peak Christina. I don't think I've so ever loved it. I don't think I've ever loved her more than in that scene. And I also think in a weird way that it was super healthy. Yes. Like, yeah, just whatever, Max. You're just noise right now. Yeah. You're just mad and you're trying to hurt me and you're trying to get a reaction out of me. And I'm just not gonna do it. Yeah. And I'm not gonna stew about it or fret about it. Here's Nora. She's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good for you. It's, you take care of you. It's so healthy because, you know, I am sensitive. That is probably the way that I really relate to Christina the most. I've talked about this. I cry a lot, you know. And if <laughs> I don't have kids, but, you know, like if I can only imagine how it must feel to raise someone, put everything you have into it. And for them to say, I wish you weren't my mother, which I actually <laughs> think might be even worse than calling her a bitch. Like that's yeah. deeply hurtful. And I love that she's able to contextualize that and think, well, he's just mad. He doesn't really mean it. I'm not going to waste any energy being hurt about that. That's amazing. That's yeah. like, yeah, that, that would be so hard to get to. A student once called me boring in front of the entire class. It was my first year of teaching and I almost burst into tears oh. right there. And so I, and this is like a million times worse than that. So Yikes. I know. Yeah. Also, That's I'm not, mean. I'm not boring. You're all listening to me on podcast right now. <laughs> would you listen if I were boring? Probably not. Who's laughing now? Yeah, unless you're like, I'm just here for Caleb. Melissa is boring. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> anyway. I doubt that. But if you are, email me. <laughs> <laughs> we also get some nice, you know, like we said, so much of this episode is dependent upon knowing who these characters are. Yeah. And wanting to spend time with them on a road trip. 
and then you get to just kind of examine them all. You know, in a weird way, it's sort of like a bottle episode mm-hmm. in that there's almost no guest stars. I mean, Grandma Blanche is the only significant one. Right. But a bottle episode is also usually in a bottle in like one set. And this is the complete opposite of that. Yeah. So it's like a bottle episode, but not really. Anyway, but all the characters are kind of always in every scene. And it's fun to compare and contrast some of them. For instance, we see Adam in his car with Hattie and then Sarah in her car with Amber. You know something about Grandma Blanche? Uh, Terrible cook. Wow. I mean, she'd make this lasagna that, I mean, this stuff was god awful. And we would have to eat that for days, the leftovers. But we would go and we'd sneak other food, you know, giant bowls of cereal. Oh, yeah, the lasagna was bad? Yeah. She did not like your dad. And not for the obvious reasons. Not because she thought he was high or anything. He had these jeans she didn't like. They had holes in them, and she thought that was disrespectful to show up to her house. Oh, no. She's not going to like me. Oh, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) no i was fascinated by that the juxtaposition of those two scenes yeah it's crazy to think that amber's only one year older than hattie yeah because they are just different people in some big ways i can't imagine amber ever being glued to her phone and just giggling at a bunch of texts like she's just not that kind of person and not that there's anything necessarily wrong with being that kind of person i like hattie a lot But she is that type of person. And if I were Adam, even though I cannot believe what a baby he is. Yeah, he's such a baby. In this episode. But that would drive me nuts. Yeah. Not even because I'd be like, no, you're supposed to be here for me. But just I get your nose out of your phone. Yeah. I I really do think that there are moments throughout the series. Like I thought it was a very consistent move to have this happen where Amber feels like an old soul and not a typical teenager. Like there's that moment where she (laughs) calls Amy a kid when she's like, oh, you know who this band is? I didn't know the kids were listening to that. And I'm like, you're also a kid. And then really the one I'm thinking of is in season one where Hattie and her friends at the sleepover are like breaking Steve's CDs. And even though Amber is obviously plagued with guilt, she can't seem to bring herself to do this because you could just see it on her face. She's like, this is so childish. This is so dumb. (laughs) Just get over him in a different way. Like, what we're going to break is shit. Like, yeah. And of course, the knitting. Yes, the knitting. (laughs) She's constantly knitting. But she also, she does crosswords all the time. Like, there are a lot of old soul things. Yeah. She's so interesting. I love that. I think Hattie's brand new. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, sweetie, you're brand new. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, totally. Um, And I also, to be fair, I think Sarah's probably a lot more fun to talk to than Adam. <laughs> Maybe yeah. if Hattie were in that car, she would want to have that conversation. I might yeah. be wrong. Were your grandma's good cooks? My dad's mom definitely was. We would go there about once a month. She lived a couple hours away in Dadeville, Missouri, population 200. And I don't know about my mom's mom because she lived in Florida and we just didn't see her very often. And when we would visit, it was like restaurants all the time, you know? So, Uh, yeah. What about you? Yeah, they were good cooks. Yeah. I had much more food of my dad's mom because she was younger than my mom's mom. 
And um, so I, she was alive for more of my life. Mm. But my mom's mom would send us gooseberry jelly. That's mm. what I really remember of hers. And then, um, and yeah, and then my dad's mom was always cooking at every Aww. big family gathering. They were both great. Did they care if you had holes in your jeans? Um, I didn't, so I don't know. Interesting. I think they probably would have cared. Yeah. I don't know if they would have told me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably would have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting thing to wonder. Well, you know, I had a thought about Hattie not talking to Adam, and the show didn't go there. They went a different direction. But I would have thought it was really interesting if she was just kind of used to zoning out during family things because they're so focused on Max and then now Nora that maybe she's on her phone all the time. It's just... Because no one's paying attention to her. Yeah, I thought that's the message the show was going to send, and I thought that would have been really interesting. It would have. Yeah. Instead, it was just Adam being a little bitch. He was. Which I shouldn't say that, especially <laughs> in an episode about how it's not nice to call people bitches. <laughs> but if anyone was a bitch in this episode, it was Adam. It totally. I, even, I literally wrote down, I'm not even going to play Adam's scene with Hattie. When, <laughs> when they're at the store and yes. he throws his little fit. I absolutely get where he's coming from. And I wish Hattie were being more attentive, but he was literally pouting and whining. It was, Grow up. It was I, the least mature way he could have delivered that message. And especially when there was a whole previous episode dedicated to him wishing that Max would be interested in him. Yeah. It's just like, who are you that thinks you're entitled to an audience? Wow. And I get that's not literally what, you know, he wanted to have a, a more meaningful yeah. trip with her. Okay, I get it. Figure out a different way to communicate it other than, I mean, she even says right in that scene, she's like, uh, this seems a little childish to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she's like, thanks for the guilt trip. And I think she was right on both counts. And yeah, here's the thing. I mean, as a high school teacher, almost nothing annoys me more than a teenager on their phone, not paying attention to anything I say. So I, I do get that. But one thing that I try to do that Adam didn't do is make my expectations really clear from the beginning. And so students know if they're on their phone, it's a violation of my expectations. You know, it's it's like day one, I try to do it with some humor, you know, but I'm like, let's just be in the moment with each other, man. You know, I'm like, my phone is in my purse, which is in my desk across the room. I will check it at lunch and after school. And I'm like, you know, and sometimes students will even be like, what if there's an emergency? And I'm like, then I will find out at lunch or after school. And if it's true emergency, someone will call the school and find me. And I'm like, you know, and, and I'm like, I'm not a monster. Tell me if like you have a family member in the hospital or like some sort of extenuating circumstance, which is why you have your phone out. But for the most part, it's just a distraction. And I want us to be present together. And I think most yeah. of them kind of get that. But I thought Adam never says anything like, you know, Hattie, since it's just going to be us on this trip, I would really love it. If it was like a chance for us to catch up and bond, we're always so, you know, surrounded by everyone else. Hattie is a reasonable person. I think she yeah. would have been like, sure. But she didn't know those were the expectations. And yeah, he's making like little passive aggressive annoyed noises and sounds, but she doesn't notice those because she's on her phone distracted. So right. <laughs> I, I just think, yeah, you can't just passive aggressively react and then snap at someone. Like you, I think you just got to say what you want. Cosign. <laughs> yeah. 
I loved some of the information we got. Yes, Blanche felt a little dropped in from out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the information about her I thought was really fascinating. Like what Camille revealed about their relationship in the diner. It's his whole thing with his mom. You know, he didn't have the kind of parents that you kids have. Smoking what, hot? What kind yeah. is that? <laughs> Smoking hot parents? No, supportive. No. He was a young man, he had a lot of dreams. There were things he wanted to do and be. Like what? Like being an actor. And you know what oh. she said to him when he told her he wanted to be an actor? What? She said, and what makes you think you're so special? And he was special. And he is special. But he still hears her voice in his head, even now. You know, and it, I think in some ways he still is um, seeking her approval. Ugh. Yeah. It's so sad, and it was just nice to hear some history about Zeke. You know, like Kathy Lee Gifford says, Everyone has a story. (laughs) In the immortal words. No. (laughs) In the immortal words. And learning that story always rounds out your view of a person. Yeah. Knowing that Zeke grew up with not a great family life and without supportive parents sheds a different light on everything he does, at least for me. You know, he, he's been fighting against the current to be a good father and husband. Yeah. Which makes me cut him some slack because in so many hugely significant ways, I think he is a wonderful father. Yeah. And a husband even. And I honestly, this is not hyperbole. I can't imagine what it would be like to have parents who aren't supportive. I really remember discovering that in college because I was studying music composition hardly the most practical field of study. And I was friends with lots of actors and singers. And I remember one friend overhearing her on the phone with her mom and her mom just openly criticizing this girl for her weight and saying, you're not pretty enough to be an actor and you're too fat. And that's not a nice thing to say to anyone. But also if you saw this woman, she is like drop dead beautiful oh gosh and very healthy beautiful body in addition to a beautiful face and hair and everything and it's just like your mom's wrong she's just wrong even within like the industry standard of beauty you fit wow and she is so talented on top of that and so intelligent and anyway and i thought you know, if my parents, my parents never even expressed doubt yeah. about my field, never even like concern on my behalf. Like, Caleb, do you think this is the most, not even a, a hint of that. And I think if they had, I took what they said so seriously about everything yeah. that it might have really huh. derailed me. I don't know. And I'm sure they might have felt those things privately I'm not sure. They, they, they're so, uh, and maybe not. Yeah, and maybe yeah. not. But they never said them to me. And wow. the idea of my parents ever saying something like, what makes you think you're so special? Inconceivable. Just yeah. they absolutely wouldn't ever do that. I loved that particular insult. I mean, I didn't love it. It was very sad. But <laughs> yeah. like story-wise, I thought it was such a good choice because it was so believable. You know, sometimes I think shows or movies will try to maybe go overboard. I like that Zeke's mom wasn't abusive. I like that right. what she said wasn't like unspeakably cruel. Like who would ever say that? 
I could think of lots of people who would say to a kid yeah, who was like, I want to be an actor. Yeah. Like what makes you think you're so special? That feels like such a believable slight and, yeah. but so hurtful and it would really shape who you are and you would remember it forever. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was very effectively done. Yeah. I also loved seeing Camille be such a defender of Zeke. Yeah. You know, we've often in the show seen her be upset with him for very good reason. Mm -hmm. And we've often seen her be critical of him almost always for a very good reason. (laughs) Yeah. And we've seen her be supportive, too. It's not like we never see this. But it's just a nice little layer of complexity that even when he is driving her up the wall, deep down at her core, she does think he's special. And if someone from without kind of attacks him, she's going to defend him. Yes. Because that's who she is and that's her role in this arrangement they've built. And it's just really beautiful. She's a great wife. <laughs> she is a great wife. Yeah. And like the the way she told all the kids in that moment so that they would understand the Yeah, it didn't feel gossipy. No. It felt like let me inform like just provide some much needed context. So maybe you know, you know why he's acting the way he's acting, why he's nervous, why he's anxious. And I just thought it was really looking out for him. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really great point because I'm sure he wouldn't want her to have said that. Yeah. So in a way she's kind of betraying his confidence a little bit. And yet I didn't get hung up on that at all because it was so clear that, you know, she wasn't doing this to humiliate him. No, no. It's just exactly what you said. Thank you. I also <laughs> loved when they go to that store after the recliner gets Oh, my stolen. God. The recliner is a really <laughs> funny little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something about the way Camille speaks to Zeke <gasps> when he asks about that hat for his mom. Yes. That I found so touching. And I'm not even quite sure what it is. She, she just treats him with such care there. I don't think she's being honest with him. No. I think she thinks it's a really bad gift. Yeah. And yet the way she says, I think she'll look really pretty in that. It just, again, I was just like, oh, God, you are you are aware of what your husband needs right now. And you are doing everything you can to give it to him because you care for him so much. It just was really touching. I thought so too. And I also thought his acting in that moment was great because he's really funny for much of the, I mean, this is a real damn showcase for Craig T. Nelson, this episode, you know, he like his emotions are all over the place. He's irrational. He's his most likable. And you know, it's just wonderful. But in that particular scene, he, it's not said in an offhand way. Like, do you think my mom would like this? You know, which is, I think, how a lot of people would deliver a line like that. But obviously, they're traveling hundreds of miles. And, and he says, you know, do, do you think my mom would like this? And it's re- he's also sort of like <laughs> letting her know, this is what I need, yeah. even if it's the ugliest hat in the world. And it might be. You have, <laughs> <laughs> you have, to, you have to look past that. So Yeah. Here's a random line. That I thought was so funny. You know, one of the the little subplots in this episode is Drew having walked in on yeah. Sarah and Mark having sex. I just loved when Amber tells Sarah about it. He uh, walked in on um, you and Mr. Sear uh, having a private meeting in the guest house. What? 
An intimate union of bodies. bodies. <laughs> Shut up. <gasps> oh, no. No, no. Mm -hmm. Not this morning. Yes. No, no. Oh, no, no. It's the worst no, no, thing no, ever. Understand it's so <laughs> terrible for even don't. for me to think about. And I'm, like, please. enlightened, and it's please. horrible. <laughs> it's the last part that kills me. I'm, I'm like, like enlightened, enlightened and, and it's, it's horrible. horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same way. I was like, that oh is God. the best delivery. And it was all another scene where you see how close Amber and Sarah are. I mean, yeah. it's a little awkward for her to bring that up to her mom, but not that much, you know? Like, right. And even her ability to say you know that hilarious line means it's not that horrible you know like it, yeah it, yeah it's really great i love how close they are and this episode was such a good showcase for that too i never walked into my parents messing around <laughs> no me neither and i'm thankful for that yeah me too so back in berkeley <laughs> <laughs> wait do we know where real quick i i wondered if you picked up on it do we know where blanche lives where is this road trip to Oh, I'm glad you asked. I wondered, they frequently say up. Like, mm. all I asked you to do is go up and visit grandma. But I'm pretty sure they're actually driving south. They spend the night in Bakersfield, which is south of, mm. I mean, far south of Berkeley. Berkeley to Bakersfield is about a four-hour drive. Okay. They left at nine. Huh. And then they stopped for lunch. They talked to the police <laughs> and shopped <laughs> for gifts. And then spent the night in a motel. And then when Christina and Max arrive at the end of the episode, they're in a cab that says Desert Valley. Mm. Gosh, which you're would a good be, sleuth. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Which would be like the Palm Springs area. Oh, okay. Which is like, you know, east of L.A. And Bakersfield to Palm Springs is about a three and a half hour drive. Because at first I was like, why are they not doing this trip in one day? Yeah. But I thought if you had little kids and you know you're going to be stopping for meals and for gas and probably for a couple bathroom breaks, if your whole drive was seven and a half hours. Yeah, that would be a long day. You'd get there and then you'd like immediately go spend the night somewhere. Yeah. And also it really checks out for Christina to buy a ticket and fly somewhere that's that close that she would be yeah. them all there. Even if she left... The next day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, I did not Google what would a flight from like San Francisco to Palm Springs be. I'm sure not very long. Yeah. But. And how expensive. Because she said, I spent $500 on plane fare. And I thought, whew, that is where the world has changed since the airing of this episode. Because I'm like. <laughs> like 500 just for yourself? You're right. that would make sense. The day of. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. You and maybe Nora would be free. But yeah. You and Max for two, 500 bucks. Same day. Yeah. Pretty good. Is that round trip? Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but when they're back in Berkeley, Max makes dinner. <laughs> it's like Easy Mac and a trillion baby carrots is dinner. <laughs> but this is a case where truly it's the thought that counts. Yes. That was really sweet of him. And I, I wrote down, look at how Max is blossoming the first time you punish him. Yeah. Imagine how great he'd do if you punished him left and right. <laughs> totally. Oh, my you gosh. You make a habit of this. Yeah, consistently. I actually wrote down what I thought the dinner was that Max made. The Easy Mac makes more sense now. I'm glad you said that because I thought it was carrots, ranch, ketchup, salsa, and cheese. That's what I picked up on. <laughs> I was like, what is this meal besides, yeah, I don't know. Oh, you didn't notice that he had Easy Mac at each no, of their... No, but that's adorable. Uh, yeah. I think I'm I just pretty sure the was... camera started on that. Like, oh. But I think also they had like that next to a mug. Like, are they going to 
is there like boiling water in there and they're going to put it in? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what his plan was, but. I loved that she said so sincerely, not an ounce of condescension. This looks great, Max. You know, I'm like, it does not. But that's what being a parent is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You mentioned before Zeke being irrational. <laughs> and I'm going to add irascible. <laughs> but, uh. Let's hear one of those moments. I mean, I still got to call my mother and tell her that half the family isn't coming. Why oh, are you harping on this? It's not half the family. You can't let it go. Adam, really. You can't let it go. I got to say something, Adam. This is from the heart. I mean, I ask so little of you, son. And uh, yeah. I, mean, I ask so little of so all little. of you. Really? Are, are you, you joking? Any of you? Oh, really? Hey, let's talk about oh. something else. Dan, you got us piled in these cars like sharecroppers, traipsing all around the state. And we're doing that for you, and you're mad. This is insane. What I ask you to do is just go up and visit my mother on her 86th yeah, birthday. All of a sudden you think it's a war crime or something Dad, like that. Dad, it's not a war crime. It's just that yeah. it was kind of out of the blue, not a whole lot of notice, and so we all worked really hard to oh, get our schedules so arranged all of a sudden there. it's like you guys are doing me this giant favor. No, this sweetie, that's not what she that's said. No, that is what she said. No, I got to tell you something. You know, really, you guys, you really just... You suck. <laughs> you guys, you just suck. I don't think I've ever... I also don't think I've ever heard my parents say that to me either. Not even in jest. No. Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> I don't think my mom ever said I sucked. She said some other things, but she hasn't said that. <laughs> <laughs> I did agree with Zeke, though, when Camille said, that's not what she said, that they're, like, doing him some favor. I do think that's kind of what Julia said. Like, Dad, this was not easy. We're doing this because it meant a lot to you. Yeah. Well, that's called doing someone a favor. That's true. I mean, I don't think it warrants being told you suck. But. No. I also didn't understand what the problem was, I guess. Like, why were they even having this conversation in the first place? I mean, I guess it's because he's really blowing it out of proportion that Christina and Max and Nora aren't there. But I was just like, they're there. Like, why are you yelling at them? Like, they're doing what you asked. I don't understand why. Oh, like, why are you yelling at the people who are there with you? Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, that's yeah. how I felt. I'm like, who cares if they're a little begrudging? They're all here. You ask them to do something for you and they all make it? Like, that's not how my family works. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of incredible, really, that they all rearrange their lives and and go do that and yeah you and i both kind of made eyes at each other at the like for, for my mom's 86th birthday like why is it being snuck in there constantly is it 86? A, is it a drinking game that the show <laughs> <laughs> i don't know anyway well here's the sibling conference in the wake of Zeke's blow up. It really is so typical of dad. So Selfish. I don't like being told thing. I suck. So I know bad. that for sure. <laughs> now yeah. we're supposed to feel guilty. Yeah. Oh. Well, I don't feel guilty. No, oh. I don't feel guilty. I don't, I just feel annoyed. Yeah. I feel guilty about the chair. I, I really believe <laughs> it on Saturday. <laughs> well, he, he did ask me to watch it. All right, well, this what is do we do what we're supposed to do. Let's, let's put our tails between our legs and get up there and apologize. What exactly he wants us to do? Well, what do we, we didn't do anything. What do we have to apologize for? We shouldn't have to feel bad. I know, okay? but... You know, I left half my family behind so I could do this for him. I gave up Where's the appreciation? You're not going to get I'm appreciation. I'm never going to get appreciation. Right. I'm not going to And that's why we shouldn't go along and give in to this stunt. It's like saying you win. Well, what about Grandma? Personally, she doesn't approve of me. I know that because she said to Dad, I don't approve of Sarah. And then he told me. So. I say we don't follow him. <laughs> oh, that clip is maybe the funniest, like, couple of minutes of this show 
ever. <laughs> is that, po- I mean, possibly. I mean, if you had asked me to remember one line from this episode, it would have been, I do not like being told I suck. I know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that, that was stuck in my mind from watching it with you. <laughs> yes. I remembered that line too. The line I didn't remember was Sarah then saying, uh, grandma Blanche never approved of me. I know this because she said, I approved of Sarah and you told me. I thought, God, Lauren Graham, man, she's just fucking bringing it. Yeah. Uh, I, I would also like to just say real quick that um, Mark is in the, my Mark is in the kitchen making dinner because he's amazing. And he heard us talk about why 86, why 86. And he just wrote something down and brought it to me on a piece of paper. And it says, it's about mortality. Well, I wondered that doesn't 86 mean like kill, like get rid oh, of like 80, 86, 86 the bacon, 86 like the bacon, remove the bacon. Yeah. So that, does, but also just the idea of like getting older, I'm guessing, right? Like, like let's just really like, like Zeke is preoccupied with her age and the whole reason they're visiting her is because she fell and like hurt her hip. Right. And so, and so maybe that even explains why he's yelling at all of his kids, you know? Yeah. Mark, Mark is nodding at me. He's like, yeah, that's what I think. I like that. That's good. Mm. That's good. But yeah, I, I think maybe... First appearing in the early 1930s as a noun, 86 referred to an item at a soda fountain or lunch counter that had been sold out. It did not take long for the word to broaden its use beyond the realm of the soda counter. Wow. Ooh, Mark's writing more. Also, to get rid of, throw out. Oh, okay. Well, that does make sense. Although I still think they could have made her even older. You know, I think they could have made her 90 or something because, you know, how old is Zeke? I would have guessed 70. So did she, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I agree with you in that scene that Sarah was especially funny. I also thought that Adam was being super spiteful. I mean, I get that that's sort of this point in his arc for the episode yeah he is frustrated then he acts out of spite then he feels guilty about it and he's redeemed but <laughs> it's like wow that you come all this way and I'm like fuck it i'm turning around <laughs> like, oh no. i mean even though i think that zeke was also being childish and like getting up and leaving before everyone else and, and not answering not the anything phone and, when they're that was yeah really ridiculous yes that's not that i think zeke is behaving in a mature fashion. Right. But come on, Adam, rise above. He always gets my, uh, I feel like I'm so hard on Adam, but I, sorry. I think for me, I'm hard on him too. And part of me is like, am I too hard on him? But I really think he is the character that most like just does not live up to my memory of him. You know, I'm, I'm just the yeah. most consistently surprised by things he says and does. I'm like, how did I ever think he was like the perfect man? <laughs> He's so far from it in basically every possible way. No, (laughs) that's too far. But 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 it is interesting to juxtapose his behavior with Zeke's, which I often think is is right on. Oh, okay. Mark has now written me. (laughs) I'm going to all these messages in a bottle from Mark. I love it. I'm going to read this one. Okay, Mark writes. He fears that time is running out for the entire family to be with her, but he's not able to articulate this. So it comes out in anger and belligerence. And then Mark wrote, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I love that. I think it's a good point. Yeah. Caleb says it's a good point, babe. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a mirror image of when Christina freaked out 
that Hattie was going to go to college. Yes. And that Good she was comparison. not going to be around to be with Nora. Yeah. And it's, it is something to keep in mind. You know, we, yes, our time with people is finite. Yeah. How do you want to spend it? Actually, when you put it that way, why would anyone be on their cell phone ever? I say as someone who's, you know, as addicted to my cell phone as everyone else, but. Especially since that might make your finite time (laughs) even shorter. Yeah. I mean, if you're driving. Right. (laughs) Don't text and drive folks. You heard it here first. That's not true. If you're driving and you need entertainment. Listen to Parenthood Pals. Anyway. Well, speaking of last episode, this teeny tiny little exchange, this morsel, <laughs> felt like something we were really craving in the previous episode. So, buddy, what kind of a lesson did we learn from all of this? I can't call you names. Right. Ever. Ever. Especially that name. It's not a nice name. Was that so hard? Yeah. Just a little follow-up. Yeah. And he knew. He knew. He clearly knew. Totally. Lesson learned. Great. Good job, everyone. Good job, Christina. Good job, Max. Yeah. What do you think about the fact that then they go on the family trip? Like, I I have mixed feelings. Voice them. Okay. I will voice them. My initial thought was... This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you know, he literally called you out at the beginning of this episode for not following through on punishments. And you could look at this as not following through on a punishment. Like, is this any different from him being like, oh, yeah, you totally forgot that, you know, I wasn't allowed to go to the movies and then we went to the movies anyway. Is, the, is this so different? But then I thought, well, I don't know. It seems like he missed a whole day of the trip, you know, the kind of fun road trip aspect and he did learn his lesson you know she asked him and and he calmly said it so i i don't know i go back and forth because it did obviously mean so much to zeke and the whole family and if the whole purpose is to get him to really express contrition and he did at a certain point are you are you just withholding out of a sense of like power or would that really have been following through? I, I don't know. Those those are all my thoughts. What are yours? I feel like if I were just evaluating from a parenting standpoint, I would say it was a fail. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, she did go back on a punishment again. Yeah. But I was so torn because as a viewer of the episode, I was so happy that they went. Yeah. <laughs> because of what it meant to Zeke that I was really glad. And that if they were going to go... At least it really was clear that Max seemed contrite. And yeah. the cleaning his room and the making dinner and articulating in a conversation about what lesson did you learn? Like, check, check, check. This is all good stuff. Yeah. Purely parenting wise, I might think, well, now he knows what you need to get you to reverse a punishment. Yeah. So will he just do those things in the future if you try and punish him again? It needs to be, yes, I appreciate your contrition. It does not reverse the punishment. Right. You're still not going on the trip. Keep this in mind next time you're So tempted. that you don't lose something that's important to you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. I think I ultimately fall on that side. It kind of reminds me of the only episode where Jabbar wasn't a perfect angel, you know, <laughs> where he wanted to go to the zoo and he wouldn't clean up his room. And after Crosby takes it away and Jabbar's like, look, I'm cleaning it up now. And Crosby says, it's too late, buddy. Part of me wants to be like, well, Max, it's 
too late. You know, you, you, you're doing all the, but then I think, well, it's not quite the same because Jabbar was doing the thing that he'd been asked to do. He's cleaning his room, which he should have done before. Christina hadn't said, clean your room, make your grandma a birthday card, make me dinner. She had said, don't call me a bitch. <laughs> make me dinner. That's just. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so. But yes, that's a very good point. Yeah. Maybe it's different because it's not the. Yeah. He was doing all of these things. And I don't actually think. Mark and I were talking about it um, while watching. And I think this might have been his point. Like. I don't actually think that he was doing any of those things to go on the trip. Like, I think he thought all hope was lost. We didn't leave with all of them. I don't think he thought, let's secretly fly and beat everyone there. Like, I mean, I, I don't think. Although maybe when he was, like, yelling at her at the beginning, you know, this is so unfair, I wish you weren't my mother. Maybe he did think, let's still go. So I, I don't yeah. know. I'm yammering. I see your point, though. Yeah, I don't think he was calculating a specific thing, but I do kind of suspect he was certainly trying to get back in her good graces. And why would he give a shit about that unless it's to get unless what he, wants. he wanted something? Yeah. I mean, not to be super cynical about it, but I I kind of do think that. Yeah. Anyway, I loved their discussion. Here's three <laughs> three <laughs> clips that made me laugh. <laughs> I'm feeling guilty. Oh God. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you? I feel pretty lousy. I'm in big, big guilt, so yeah. what do you say? Is it wrong that I don't feel anything at all? <laughs> <laughs> we flew down to surprise everybody, well, so I thought it would be... You deserve a medal oh. flying with us three yeah. months Thank old. Thank you. I had a beer on the plane, so that yeah. helped a little bit. <laughs> Thanks for having this conversation. It's not a good handshake. It's very limp. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to know how much of this episode was ad-libbed, you know? I mean, maybe all of those lines were scripted, and also maybe it doesn't matter. But I, that continues to be one of my favorite things about this show, is that it all feels so natural, and it feels yeah. like they all know each other so well that they're just riffing. And that's just a blast. That is so fun. Yeah. That last one was the conversation she and drew had i feel like we started to talk about that a little that storyline i don't even know if that storyline matters but did you think that drew had a real I, I did want to ask you did you think drew had a realistic reaction to walking in on his mom and a teacher at his school having sex i think so i mean i think it would just be <laughs> shutting down around her for a while yeah. and not wanting to talk about it and saying like it's just gonna take some time yeah <laughs> to not and I while I appreciated what she said about you know I'm just a person mm -hmm. and I think she's right yeah I don't think it's a failing of Drew's no that he can't uh because I think he knows that I don't yeah. think he's like I'm mad that she's having sex no I'm mad that I saw it yeah and I'm not even mad at her it was an accident I think he knows that too yeah. but it's something he wished he hadn't seen but he did see it and so it's just a little awkward. Yes. And with time, it will be less awkward. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I also really wanted to be sure that I mentioned that I thought the sex sounds that they had at the beginning <laughs> yes. were hysterically funny. It sounded like they were like on a playground just having <laughs> That feels having really gleeful, good. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh and they were like, <laughs> like and they were like yay or sorry I, mean, I don't remember yeah it was the least like lustful dirty sounds and yeah. it was just like 
fun, playful, happy. Which is probably great. Like, that's delightful, yeah. actually. But yeah, I was just picturing those two actors having a lot of fun making the sex noises and like maybe cracking each other up. Like, because every time I've seen them in an interview together or something, it seems like that dynamic that they have on the show really translated to real life yeah. as well and since obviously you know they weren't really having sex i was just picturing them in a room being like that feels great and then just laughing like why did you say that <laughs> and it was just a fun thing to imagine i did love while checking the credits on imdb for this jason ritter was listed but then in parentheses it said voice because <laughs> <laughs> he's not actually That's visible in this true. episode but you hear him so when christina does show up at the end i'm so glad she did because I love this scene oh. between her and Zeke so much. And in my memory, this scene was the best one in the episode. Christina, the deal is, I look at my life and I'm thinking, you know, what really matters? And I mean, you got the memories and all that. Yeah, that's great. But the whole purpose is family. I mean, that's really what I wanted to be about. And I wanted the kids to come with me to visit my mom. And uh, they were kind of reluctant. So I got angry. I got mad at them and just completely drove them away. And uh, pretty much just screwed it. I, I just pretty much screwed the whole thing up. Bottom line. <sighs> Zeke, come on. Are you kidding? You're kidding. Hmm. You didn't screw anything up. I mean, I can say this because, well, you know, coming from a family that's really lacking and you should be very proud of yourself and this family. You and Camille have created this wonderful and weird and crazy, <laughs> great family. And I'm so lucky to be a part of it. I can't tell you. You know, you've always treated me like a daughter, and you've always been there for me, and I want to thank you for that. So thanks. You're a good dad. Really? And a good man. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Oh, that's beautiful. It just rips my heart out. And... I always love any little backstory mm -hmm. about an in-law's family. And here, I think this is the most plainly Christina has ever put it. Yeah. Coming from a family that's really lacking. And then I'm just so glad that she found her way into a family that for all its faults and foibles, <laughs> they are there for each other. Yeah. For sure. I'm glad that she has that. It weirdly made me think of her baby shower for Nora and that was never articulated but it, in that episode, but it was something I thought about. Why isn't a single member of her family at this shower? And I, I get that, like, logistically, it's because it's a show about the Bravermans and they don't want to cast a bunch of people, etc. But if <laughs> For this episode, we're budgeting 30 guest stars. Right. It's all of Christina's family. Hey. But, you know, if you turn, you know, if you just... Don't think about the fact that it's a TV show and you're really invested and you're thinking of these as real people, which I think is the point of art, right? To make you forget yeah. and feel invested. You're kind of like, well, what the hell? Why is this just her husband's family that's there for her? And so a scene like this 
it's just kind of a beautiful bookend to that shower, you know, to, to call them lacking. You know, I think you and I have maybe sussed out that her parents are dead, but does she have any siblings, no cousins, no one? The lessons oh, yeah. is it, you know, that's like, <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, well, and just like I said before, like getting some backstory on Zeke rounds him out and makes him a fuller person and makes me more compassionate towards him. And I know I've said before, like the way Christina can get almost tribal about her protection of her family. Like if you wrong one of her kids, God help you. Yeah. She will be vengeful, spiteful yeah. about that. And if I know that family is something she never had yeah. until now, and that maybe this has been really hard for her to come by and then she cherishes it all the more and is maybe fearful that it's going to be damaged in some way. Yeah. Then I have a, it's not even cutting her slack. I just like, if I understand yeah. more then it's helpful. Definitely. Well, um, this is something that <laughs> Mark didn't even watch the whole episode, but he got real sucked in at the end, you know, and I, I don't, I don't blame him. It's beautiful. But that speech I agree. I loved it so much. And Mark made a comment that I hadn't even considered. He said that mirrors the scene in his episode that, that, you know, Mark did with us where Crosby's worrying that he's not a good dad. And Zeke basically does for him what Christina does, you know, for Zeke right here. And I hadn't made that connection at all, but I thought that was such a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a unique relationship I would imagine <laughs> a child to a parent in law. Yeah. Like the fact that this comes from, in some ways, an outsider right. of the Bravermans who has then been inducted into, <laughs> into their clan. I don't know. It felt significant in some way. And all of his actual kids are super annoyed with him the whole episode. Yeah. And he also doesn't tell Christina she sucks. Right. <laughs> Although he kind of implies it the entire episode because she's not there. <laughs> I did appreciate when Crosby tells Blanche about the recliner being stolen. In the background, you can see Christina reacting to that information. Oh, I didn't Because even it's the attention. first time she's hearing it. Yeah. And I think she like turns to Adam with sort of a quizzical look on her face. Like, what happened? Uh, that would be kind of crazy. Yeah. I yeah. I really appreciate it when they're all like, we have nothing to feel guilty about. And Crosby's like, well, I do feel bad about the chair. I was supposed to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of little things Christina does. She tells Max when he's trying to eat more cake. Did you hear her say you're going to get pinworms? What? What? I did not notice that. <laughs> I, I just, I checked to be like, are pinworms what I think they are? They're parasites that live in the colon and rectum. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you do get them. I mean, some people get them sometimes if they accidentally eat like trace fecal matter or something. You know, I was like, <laughs> but what about the cake? It's going to get pinworms. I just did. It's a little surprising to me. Uh, what is she talking about? I didn't notice that, but I noticed that Max was like kind of back to seeming uh, unappreciative and, and rude again. And I'm like, yeah. well, good going. <laughs> You've. And earlier when I said that he missed the fun of the road trip, then I thought, but maybe flying is just better. And so he actually was rewarded. <laughs> I don't know. 
There was one other very heartwarming scene at the end, which I already alluded to, but it's Zeke with his mom. What's wrong? It's nothing, Mom. Crosby told me about the chair. Don't worry about it. What am I going to do with a big recliner anyway? That's not the chair. What is it then? You know what I told my kids every day of their lives? I mean, all four of them, whether I was angry or frustrated or sad or whatever. I, you know what I told them every day? I love you. I wanted it to be clear to them. That's why I told them. Then you hurt your hip, and I'm suddenly thought, geez, I gotta get those kids up there. <sighs> Ma, they are the best thing that I have done with my life. And I wanted you to see that. They are beautiful. Thank you. I love you, Zeke. Of course I do. You're my baby. What were your thoughts on that scene? I thought it was a beautiful moment. And that it comes in an episode that has been, on the whole, very lighthearted and funny. I appreciate that the episode is still about something meaningful. Yeah. And it just made me very thankful for my parents. Wow. Again, because they told us they loved us all the time. I mean, it's that's just how we say goodbye now. Wow. And I do have some awareness that it's not always like that. I remember my mom... She would get fairly frequent letters from her dad. He would write to her just updates of what's going on in life. And one time late in his life, he lived to be 100. She got a letter from him and I didn't know what was in it. And then she started crying after she opened it. And I thought, oh, no, what? Something must be happening. And I asked her what was in the letter. He used to always sign the letters, your father, Alvin. Wow. And that seems so formal. And in this letter, he wrote, love your father, Alvin. Wow. And I don't want to say that he had never said that to her. I don't think that's true. But he was born in 1913 and he was a farmer. It was a very different time. Mm -hmm. And that was not communicated to her a lot. Yeah. Not verbally. Mm hmm. He absolutely did right by his family. He provided for them. He cared for them. And those were all because he loved them. And I think everyone understood that. But it it wasn't the way that my parents just constantly were telling us. And so when it was written down, it really had an impact. And I thought, gosh, I'm never going to get a letter like that because my parents told me all the time. Yeah. And isn't that lucky 
And it is. I'm so thankful for it. That's beautiful. And it does feel like maybe the most fundamental thing a parent can give to their child is knowing that someone out there loves you always, forever. You know, my parents don't always, I'm, they wouldn't approve of anything I might do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like I couldn't do something that they would say, oh, Caleb, don't do that. Yeah. But they would never stop loving me. Just, again, inconceivable. Yeah. That feels so important. Like, there's so many things I don't have to worry about because I know that that's true. Just like, thank you, mom and dad. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, that's true. I mean, my mom and I have our issues and complications, but yeah, I mean, she said she loved me all the time and, uh, that was never, ever in question. I, the, the way that Zeke reacts when she says, you know, of course I love you, you know, like it, he like closes his eyes and it didn't feel overly dramatic to me. Cause I thought, well, if you never heard that to the point where like, you're making a point to say, I'm raising my kids differently than you raised me. Gosh, like, that would really mean a lot for her to to say it. And maybe he's not sure how many more chances he'll have, you know, with her getting older and, and you know, with her falling and, and all of that. And it just made me wonder, like, what's her deal? You know, like, why doesn't she say it more? She doesn't seem like a mean person, maybe kind of matter of fact, you know, but I didn't get like a cruel vibe from her. Just, I, I don't know. Yeah, like. I got kind of a, Maybe not cruel, but harsh. Harsh. Dismissive. I mean, the way, the way that she was openly criticizing him in front of his entire family. Yeah. That's... Oh, if some people would get down here and see me more often. Yeah. Oh, he brings me a gift from the truck stop because he... <laughs> that To the point that it was uncomfortable, clearly. I mean, Crosby even said something. Yeah. You know, he can hear you. Yeah. But uh, this this episode did make me think about... Not to like boil this all down to like armchair psychology, but I wonder what Blanche's parents were like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet they never told her they loved her. Mm-hmm. And I bet there was a lot of criticism. And there is an element, I think, of, you know, like we've said before, whatever you grow up with usually is what you think is normal. Mm-hmm. And if that's what Blanche grew up with, then her idea of being a parent is being that. And it reminds me of a song by uh, Stephen Schwartz called Forgiveness is Embrace about making peace with your parents and can you forgive them for things they did. And um, the first line of the song is, um, I have served a full life sentence as a prisoner of my past, as a victim of a victim of a victim. Seems my parents' parents' parents laid traps that held me fast. And they still catch me even when I think I've licked them. Wow. And just trying to come to peace with the fact that they weren't out to hurt you. Yeah. They were just doing the best they knew how. Oh, totally. And once you know more, like we said, once you get some backstory and understand, that's just what they thought. And it's, you know, like that story about my grandpa, I think is also lovely proof that you're never too old. Mm. To change some of those patterns. Yeah. I have no idea what motivated him in that specific letter to write, love your father. Yeah. But he did. And it's a very small thing, but go for it. Yeah. Because it may have ripples down the line. 
Well, and if I if I think about my own family and history, I mean, I should make it clear, like my mom and I love each other very, very much. And um, it's just been, I think, hard in a lot of ways. I didn't have a really traditional upbringing like, like some people did. Um, you know, my mom and my dad were happy, but she was also my father's caretaker, you know, from the time that my dad, like from the time I was four until my, until I was 16, my dad was disabled and then he died. And so our family was, it was just, it was hard. It was hard growing up. It wasn't this sort of like conversations around the dinner table that I think a lot of people have. It was just like kind of survival mode. And what's interesting about that to me is you go to my mom's mom, she was widowed. My mom was 13 when her father died, my grandfather. And so like her growing up was hard. <laughs> like, Well, and didn't you tell me that your mom's mom would say some really brutal things to yes, her? Yes, brutal. Like things beyond anything my mom's ever, you know, said to me. But yeah, like just it it was it was it was hard. Um, and so I actually found myself relating in some ways to some of Zeke's stuff more than like your reflections were like kind of just feeling so grateful. I, I don't know. I, I, could, I could hear some of these comments, um, even though I also heard I love you a lot. And even I had kind of uh, mixed messages sometimes, you know, I, I was yeah, going to ask, yeah. did the I love you's were you ever resentful of them? when they came in moments of tension, like, did you ever feel like, are you trying to placate me with saying I love you when actually you're treating me in a very upsetting way? Honestly, yeah. And and sometimes it felt a little bit like they're just words, you know, like, it's, you know, you know, it's interesting that like this episode seems to be saying it's hard to say I love you. But sometimes I felt like, well, it's easy to say I love you. It's easy to say I'm sorry. It's easy to, you know, yeah. or like to take that to, to Max, you know, it's like, it's easy to say hurtful things sometimes. And, you know, like I, I think my mom probably said hurtful things she didn't mean. And I, I'm sure I have said hurtful things that I didn't mean. But, you know, I mean, I didn't even think about it till our conversation just now, but it seems like maybe one aspect of this episode is like, what we say to our loved ones, you know, and what we don't say and, and, you know, like the lasting impact that can or can't have, you know, I mean, it's interesting that Christina is able to just shrug off. I wish you weren't my mother (laughs) so easily because that could be something that would haunt a person. That could be something that they would have a conversation about 50 years from now, you know, like the way, you know, and that makes me think of Hattie and Adam in the car when she apologizes to him, which was a little like Hattie, he just pitched a fit at you. I think (laughs) he should have, I mean, he does then as Adam so often does, once he gets his apology, he acknowledges that his behavior is inappropriate. I'm glad he does. Yeah. Yes. But that, you know, when she says, I just kind of always think that you'll be around Mm -hmm. and I take it for granted and, but, you know, and then maybe I shouldn't. And then she says, that's how you feel about your parents. And that's what makes him feel guilty. I think you're right. I think that is totally the theme of the episode. And just talking in general, like that, I think Sarah, when she talks to Drew about what may seem frivolous, mm-hmm. but it does seem clear to me that she feels like not talking about it would be worse 
than having an awkward conversation that I bet she doesn't even really expect <laughs> is going to lead anywhere super constructive. Right. I don't think she thought, I'm going to go out to the garage and just fix this. But I think she thought, we got to address it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I think there's something noble about that. And it certainly does speak to a philosophy of let's keep this open here. Yeah. Don't you stew about something if it's bothering you. I would rather you come out with it and let it bother both of us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll handle it together. Yeah. One, how beautiful that he, again, has Amber. <laughs> They're just the greatest brother sister in the world, you know, that he can sort of get it off his chest to someone. And I think Sarah is such a great parent that she probably appreciates that, you know. I think sometimes parents and, and teachers, you know, feel like I've got to be the one that they can fight in. But it's it's really just good that they've got someone that they can yeah. turn to. I'm also intrigued by this idea of the old saying, actions speak louder than words. You know, when I said my grandpa was not an a verbally effusive man saying, I love you all the time, but I said, in the time and place where he was raising children, he was demonstrating mm. that he was doing the right thing. And, you know, would it have been better if my mom had grown up with a father who was constantly saying, I love you, but didn't provide for his family or just walked out on them or something, but was saying left and right, saying the right words? No, that's not good. Or with Max, yes, he said a bad word. And then Ooh. the... Contrition was making dinner, cleaning the room. It was actions, making the card. Yes. It oh, wasn't just saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. It was too late for I'm sorry. So maybe it's that actions and words have to match. I love that. One is not a replacement for the other. They need to be in sync. Well, this is making me think of uh, one of my favorite poems. It's pretty famous, but I, I teach it a lot. I'm going to just read it. I looked it up while we were talking. I had like yeah. a moment. Uh, and so it's called Those Winter Sundays by Robert Hayden. Have you ever heard of that poem? I don't think so. Okay. Well, it goes like this. Sundays too, my father got up early and put his clothes on in the blue-black cold. Then with cracked hands that ached from labor in the weekday weather, made banked fires blaze. No one ever thanked him. I'd wake and hear the cold splintering, breaking. When the rooms were warm, he'd call, and slowly I would rise and dress, fearing the chronic angers of that house, speaking indifferently to him, who had driven out the cold and polished my good shoes as well. What did I know? What did I know? of love's austere and lonely offices. Wow. Yeah, and we talk, my students and I, about like love languages. Have, have you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's so interesting, the idea that people express love differently and that sometimes the key to a good relationship, whether it's romantic or friendship or family, is trying to recognize other people's love languages so that you're not expecting love to look a certain way that you're maybe able to see it in different forms, but that also you try to do their love language too. And so like, I think it's really beautiful that this adult speaker is able to look back on what his father did and realize, Oh, that, that was love. You know, he may not have been someone who said it, but that was his way. And so, yeah, but it makes me think of your, your mom's dad, like maybe recognizing that, 
words mean a lot to your mother. And so I should, you know, just that one Maybe. word love, you know, like that's part of love too, is not just never getting a <laughs> love in the form that means something to you, but both, both people, I think, recognizing what would mean something to the other person and trying to, to do that sometimes. This is so silly, but you reading that poem, the first thing it made me think of was before school, when I was a child, my dad warming up SpaghettiOs mm-hmm. on the stove and putting them in a thermos that I would then take to school for lunch. Yes. And him recognizing that my love language is SpaghettiOs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, true story. My mom's are chocolate chip cookies, you know, like yeah. that, that was. My mom's no-bake cookies. Mm-hmm. When I would come home from school and smell those, I was oh. like, mom loves me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I didn't think that at the time, but then you grow up and you look back on it. Yeah. She wasn't making those cookies for herself. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally my kitchen smells so good right now because Mark is making some delicious dinner. And like, I mean, that's, that's a love language. You know, I mean, he also loves cooking, but it's like, you know, <laughs> taking care and, and, you know, my love language is to like hang on his neck and tell him I love him 60 times a day. <laughs> I actually try not to do that as much because, I, yeah, we have different love languages and his is more useful. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we really discovered a trove of meaning. I think in, so, too. Like, like I said, what is on the whole, really a fun hoot of an episode. Yeah, it's funny. In, in fact, when I did my first watch this, you know, for, for this uh, podcast, I was like, this episode isn't as meaningful as I remembered. It's just as funny as I remembered. But I had it in my head as like one of the greatest ones of all time. And I, I think my expectations were so high that my first rewatch, I was like, eh. But then when I watched it again, I was like, no, it's just as wonderful. <laughs> you know, I yeah. Was, yeah, it's it is great. But I thought maybe there wasn't as much going on. But I think your conversation with me just now maybe proves otherwise. There's tons there uh, to yeah. unearth. Yeah. And I mean, like we said at the beginning, it's a, a very special episode that doesn't feel like a very special episode. Yeah. You know, none of the storylines are continuing into the episode. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing about Zoe. There's nothing about Rachel. Yeah. There's nothing about Amy. There's nothing about Amber on the campaign. The most pre-existing storyline in this is like Sarah's dating Mark and Hattie's going to go to college soon. Yeah. Like that's it. And then nothing that happens in this episode really impacts anything that comes after it. Yeah. It's kind of a standalone in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And yet I didn't feel like the episode felt like a diversion or a non sequitur. It kind of reminded me of the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah. Where it's sort of light on plot, but you get to just hang out with the characters for a while. And, you know, that really only works if the characters are appealing enough that you would want to hang out with them. <laughs> yes. And golly, they are. Yeah, I really I do. <laughs> it felt to me like this episode was Zeke's story. Yeah. And it surprised me that that felt unique to me. But rarely is there in any episode of this show that feels like it belongs to a single character. Yeah. And I think that is maybe what did it. And the emphasis, I think, usually falls on the adult siblings. Yeah. Like the kids and the grandparents are kind of peripheral to that. But this episode felt like it was a story about Zeke. Yeah. Actually, the Julia Crosby stuff 
felt a little bit like what the grandparents are usually, you know, just like kind of in the background. Yeah. You know, actually, Julia gets saddled with that a lot. <laughs> but I yeah. think this might be the least amount of a storyline Crosby's ever had, you know, like he, he True. really just said funny things and there was no little separate storyline for him. Yeah. Well, Entertainment Weekly ranked Road Trip as fourth in a ranking of their top 10 episodes in advance of the series finale. Oh, wow. And TV Line included Road Trip in their top 10 list, marking the 10th anniversary of the series premiere. Fun. And I think something it really has going for it is just that it's distinctive. Mm -hmm. You know, because of the nature of this show, that there are always these multi-episode story arcs, and they're all about relationships between the characters. Over the course of six seasons, you can forget the details yeah. of any specific plot. And so like one fight is kind of a lot like any other fight, or one cry is similar to another one. This episode isn't like any other episode, and yet it still feels like it belongs in the universe oh, yeah. of parenthood. Whereas like, you know, there's an episode of The West Wing called The Long Goodbye that follows one character in the main cast, CJ, played by Alice and Janney, and she goes back to Ohio, where she's from, and takes care of her dad, who has Alzheimer's. And that's the whole episode. Oh, wow. And, and like, none of, almost none of it is in D.C., and almost none of the other cast are in it. Well, that's certainly distinctive. But when you watch it, it's like, this is not really representative of what the <laughs> West Wing is. But if you watch this episode, it is representative yeah. of what parenthood is. It's just different. <laughs> I, I have I have a one like the West Wing one. Uh, there is an episode of Dawson's Creek that is just bonkers. It's in the second to last season where Joey, and that's Katie Holmes, she's the only cast member in this episode. She gets mugged by this like handsome... <laughs> charismatic guy who's just down on his luck, I guess. And they have this weird banter that you can't tell if it's flirtatious or if it's just, she's trying to talk her way out of not getting like knifed or something. And then she like finally gets away from him. And then she sees him get hit by a car and then she has to take him to the hospital. <laughs> and then he dies. <laughs> and she has to like sit with his wife and kid. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> It's bonkers. Yeah. So I'm with you that this episode is distinctive, but it doesn't feel nuts like some. Yeah. 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 Are there any others like that of other shows? Oh, that's fun. Let's let's think. Like, is there a crazy Buffy or a crazy Gilmore Girls? Buffy is such a strange show anyway. There are definitely distinctive episodes. Like there's the silent episode called Hush. And there's a musical episode called Once More With Feeling. Maybe the most famous one is called The Body. And it's where Buffy's mom dies. And she dies of natural causes. So it's not something that Buffy could have like fought or prevented. And it's like deeply sad. It's one of the best hours of television I think I've ever seen. Those all feel very distinctive, but the show is so strange that it Hmm. kind of like anything goes, if that makes sense, you know, Uh like everything's kind of off the wall. And can you think of any others? I mean, on friends, there's like the one that could have been. Oh yeah. When they, you know, Monica's still fat and, Ross is still married to Carol. Yeah. I guess that is, it's distinctive. 
and not in a way that really feels in keeping with the rest of the show. But the characters are still so recognizable. It's hard to separate that, too, because I think that is an instance where the distinctiveness works against the quality of the episode. Yeah. I never thought that was a terrific episode. No, it's not one of the best. Whereas like the West Wing one, while it really feels like a different show, it's still very well done. Yeah. When you mentioned Joey getting mugged, I did think about the episode of Six Feet Under when David gets mugged. Oh, yeah. I remember that episode, even though I've only seen it once, being struck by just how structurally different it was from any Mm. other episode. Because, you know, there's usually multiple storylines happening. And my memory of that episode is that, like, for the first 20 minutes or so, it feels like any episode. And then once David gets mugged, every other story in the episode stops. And you just stay in it for the rest of the episode. And it really is harrowing by the end. Because it's like, oh, I just want this to end please just make this stop which is exactly what david is feeling yeah but that i don't know if that's quite the same you know this is us has a lot of episodes like this like i remember their season one finale didn't involve the present at all it was literally just jack and rebecca milo and amelia and mandy moore meeting And so the entire episode was in the past and it was his life and her life. And usually they have that stuff going on, but it's juxtaposed with the present. And then in season three, I think there's a whole episode called Vietnam and it's just Jack in Vietnam. And they even brought on... Just Jack. Just Jack in (laughs) Vietnam. It's a different thing. (laughs) But they even bring in um, Tim O'Brien who wrote The Things They Carried and he like wrote at least on the episode. I don't know if he was the sole writer, but I thought, gosh, that's, that's bringing the big guns. Cause that's such a, you know, he's such a gorgeous war writer. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. But again, the show does it often enough that it doesn't feel out of place when they'll spend an entire episode. Cause that, those are just two examples I thought of right off, but they actually do that quite often where they're like, this entire episode will be divided, you know, devoted to this mm. character, this backstory. And I like it. And I, I really loved this episode of Parenthood And even though it is distinctive, it's in a different way. You know, it's not like we get flashbacks of Zeke as a little boy and and some younger actress has been hired to play Blanche and we get, you know, that's what This Is Us would do. And I'm glad that Parenthood doesn't do that, even though I think it's very effective on This Is Us. I, I like that it has its own vibe and we get the backstory in different ways and it's still very effective, you know. And Yeah. Yeah. One more trivial observation about this episode We are now under a decade away from the episodes we're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We started this podcast in 2020 talking about season one, which was in 2010. And by the time we got into 2021, we were into the latter half of season two, which was still 2011. Yeah. Because the first season was a mid-season replacement. That's right. So now we are in 2021 talking about 2012. That feels significant to me. I think that is significant. Yeah. We're catching up in a weird backwards way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that reminds me how um, the 
Michael B. Jordan episodes were on um, around the time of the Super Bowl, like for us, when when we were talking about it on the podcast. Uh. Yes. I have to make that distinction because it was funny. One of my students was saying that he would love it if, you know, Michael B. Jordan would play him in the movie of his life. He was like, Michael B. Jordan can just play me. That would be awesome. And I was such a dork. I was like, oh, he's on Parenthood right now. And they, <laughs> and I was like, I mean, for my podcast, this was 10 years ago. It was such a weird. And then I'm like, never mind. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is significant. I think I'll have to stop saying maybe things were different a decade ago. Well, <laughs> you know, I'll have to keep that in mind. Amend it to nine. Yeah, nine years ago. Or else. Or <laughs> I love it. Well, let me look over my notes and see. I think I said basically everything that I wanted to. Oh, here's a small thing. I thought it was really funny that both Zeke and Max called Christina's decision mean. Like Max is like, you're so mean. I can't believe how mean you are. And then it literally like flashes to Zeke saying, well, it just seemed like a mean thing, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) And I thought, I I don't know if that's significant or anything, but it it struck me as funny. So. Well, punishments aren't known for being nice. That's right. (laughs) It's not an effective punishment. Yeah. If it's not. Kind of baked in to punishment. (laughs) That's right. I did think Max sounded a lot more like a like a kid when he said, you're so mean, I can't believe how mean you are, instead of you're such a bitch. You know, I was like, boy, if he had just yelled that at the beginning, <laughs> then we wouldn't even be here, probably. She'd be like, don't call me mean. Get in the car. Let's go have a fun vacation. <laughs> so. Final question. Yes. Well, it's presumptuous to say final, maybe, but <laughs> any fun road trip memories? Oh, I love road trips. I don't have a ton of those memories with my nuclear family. Although I guess here's one. I do remember we drove to Florida to visit my mom's parents. I was, well, her mom and stepdad. And I was very young. And I don't super remember it, but I do remember that my dad wrote like a column about it. I guess my dad was a writer. He had columns in many newspapers. And one of them was about how I just like, was obsessed with going to McDonald's, but he called it McPigouts. And so <laughs> he had this whole running thing about how all the Melissa character in his column did was just ask when we were going to McPigouts. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Well, speaking of Florida, I've driven to Florida, I think four times with various family members. Two of them involved breaking down. Oh, no. That's awful. One, when I was very little, driving from Kansas to Florida to visit my cousin Sarah, friend of the podcast, (laughs) and breaking down on the side of the road, the whole family. And then one was driving home from Florida, and we broke down, and we got picked up by a guy with a tow service. The man's name was Peanut. And really? his daughter, Sharon. Yeah. I don't mean I don't know if that's on his birth certificate, but he went by Peanut. <laughs> this was in Hattiesburg. Well, it was outside of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We then drove back in a rental. The car was not worth saving. And all, all five of us, I believe, in a rental going home. Yeah, that was an experience. Not necessarily fun, Yeah, but huh. memorable. <laughs> Well, the other one that I really wanted to mention was that my honeymoon was a road trip. Oh, nice. A pretty short one. Uh, It was just to Memphis, Tennessee, which was about, I think, six hours. But it was really 
fun. I'm sure people don't think of Memphis as like honeymoon destination USA, but we just both wanted to go to a place that neither of us had ever been that seemed like a lot of fun. And we're not really lying around on the beach people. We're more like, you know, taking the sights. And so it was great. It was like both meaningful because we went to the uh, National Civil Rights Museum at the Lorraine Motel. But then we also went to like Graceland (laughs) and saw like a bunch (laughs) of, you know, cool bands and ate great food. But yeah, the actual trip was fun. I think we listened to The Shining and we always picked a book to like listen to. And so that was, that was good. I too love road trips. I drove to Florida with both my sisters and one of my brothers-in-law back years ago for KU football. Mm. I drove with one sister for a different KU football game. Lindsay was working that game. So she was already in Florida. That is the trip where I infamously ate mashed potatoes and gravy while driving. Oh, wow. That's very impressive. From KFC, I had a tub of potatoes between my legs. Whoa. And then I held a dish of gravy in the hand I was driving with. Whoa. And then with my free hand, I would scoop the potatoes, dip them in the gravy, and eat them. And Jay and I, I think, were young enough to think, isn't that amazing? <laughs> Rather than, isn't this reckless and dangerous? <laughs> Maybe. Which I think we would both think now. Yeah. I mean, I certainly would. You'd be like, I can't imagine that Jay's wilder than me as she's getting older. <laughs> yeah, maybe take the 15 minutes to eat inside KFC. <laughs> exactly. What <laughs> rush were we in? And then I took a road trip by myself, which was very memorable. Starting in Seattle, I drove down the entire Pacific coast to San Diego. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember that. I drove up around the Olympic Peninsula and then down Highway 1. That was beautiful. I mean, that was several, several days. Mm. Stopping in lots of places, always staying on the beach. Nice. It was wonderful. Well, it kind of reminds me of one thing I did think was really cool about this episode of Parenthood was the scenery, you know, there were like really cool moments where they were like looking out the windows or like that, you know, at the, the very closing shot was just them, you know, just stopping somewhere and taking a look. And I thought they didn't need to include this, but that is a beautiful part of a road trip as opposed to flying somewhere. Oh, and I guess it wasn't a round trip ticket actually, because, you know, Christina and Max are driving home with them. We see them in that, that little moment. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's lovely. Like they're all just taking it in. And that must've been the kind of scenery you were looking at on your trip. Yeah. Gorgeous. That is the only time I've been to San Francisco. Ah. I did not go to Berkeley. I didn't even think to go, but you know, I wasn't doing a podcast about any shows set there. So yeah. Yeah. If I were that close now, you bet your buns I'd be in Berkeley. <laughs> Get some Pete's coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the movie theater on Shattuck. Maybe hook up at the carousel in Tilden Park. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's a deep cut. That's good. (laughs) Well, anything else? This has been a damn delight. I love having guests. Don't get me wrong, but it is also really fun just to gab with you. That was sort of the whole point of this in the first place. You know, I mean, it it makes me... I mean, this is such a dumb thing to say. It makes me nostalgic for the beginning of the pandemic. No, but I did, (laughs) I did love zooming with you almost every night and just watching TV together and talking about it. And we had no idea. It was, it was really lovely. And we had no idea that we would ever 
turn that into a podcast, but it was, it was hugely comforting, you know, just, just yeah. doing that with you. And so this was kind of like a return, I guess. Yay. <laughs> well, I think that'll do it for us. Yeah. I loved you road trip. <laughs> it, was, it really but is. But I'm also excited to get back to the season three storylines. You know, absence does make the heart grow fonder. Will Troy sign the papers? Yeah. Is Sarah going to have a baby? Yeah. I'm so excited about all these things. Where's Hattie going to go to college? She never answered Adam. <laughs> That's why she was too busy texting. And where's Caroline going to go to college? <laughs> <laughs> now, she's not the one who dresses like a slut, is she? I don't think so. <laughs> Clearly, you dress like a slut. You're not going to college, you know? it's just She's going to skank you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, Will Bob Little win? <laughs> Ah, Bob Little. It's tearing me apart. (laughs) Yeah. It's tearing up my heart. That's the line, isn't it? That's right. It's tearing up my heart when I... Let's just round it out. Episode the music that we don't have the rights for. Just just like... (laughs) And I know... I actually don't know all the words as well as I thought I did. Be with you. That's the rule of threes. We're learning. We're learning. We're growing as podcasters. (laughs) Speaking of... By violating the law. (laughs) It's parody. It's fair use. It's fair use. Uh, That was me trying to be like... Is that how that works? Is that the fine print? <laughs> that was me trying to do the final print voice at the end of the commercial. <laughs> Terms of restrictions may apply, except I just said, but it would be. I'm a piece of carrots. All right. I think we're ready to go. I think we're, I think we're done, folks. Uh, I think please, we're long past time. Probably. We just gave in depth reviews of other shows. <laughs> So, you know, if you found this delightful, um, follow us on... God willing. (laughs) Um, Or if you didn't, we're not usually like this, so maybe you should still follow us. Check out some of our other episodes. Yeah, this was a standout episode for us, too. Yeah. That's right. Uh, We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Parenthood Pals, at all the places. And you can find all of our information at parenthoodpals.com. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true. Fun fact, I recorded this whole episode while driving. Okay, this is nuts, but I'm actually recording this on my own after the podcast and sending it to Caleb because I can't believe I didn't think to mention that my favorite TV show of all time, Felicity, has the craziest standalone episode of all. It is a Twilight Zone parody. Every single other episode, Felicity is a normal college student. And then this one season two random episode, it's in black and white. It's got the Twilight Zone music and the titles, and basically she gets over her broken heart, everyone does, by going to a place called the clinic and having their hearts ripped out of their bodies. So yeah, that was weirder than this road trip episode. Okay, bye. (laughs) 